As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Three, two, one, zero. Hello, welcome to... Episode 130, Chris Raining. Hey Money Clan, a very warm welcome to the Chain of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Walsh. So Katie, very interesting guest we have today and a guy that got passionate about the FIRE movement. Yeah, I'm actually a bit bummed because I didn't get to sit in on this conversation. I know, but it was a really great conversation. And it's really cool to see what people are doing with their lives, especially when they realize that things like the financial independence retire early movement is actually a thing. And it's something that's actually really achievable. I I feel like financial independence is something that everybody kind of sticks at work when they like mentally like zone out and they think about. And so many people don't think that it's actually a real thing. Yeah, they're like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I could quit my job and go be able to sit on a beach at 40 years old? Yeah, and you can. You when can. When you're 20 if you... years old and you're just zoned out. <laughs> you can if you plan correctly yeah. and if you try and make it happen. And that's exactly what Chris did. He, you know, he started working in corporate America and he realized that this isn't what he wants. He, won- he wanted to retire early and try and make a-, a-, a lot of out of his life and try and really get ahead. So... Definitely a very inspirational episode if you're into the FIRE movements. Well, since I didn't get to be in the conversation, I'm really excited to hear the conversation. Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we dive right in, if you guys would like, join us on Facebook. We have a lovely Facebook group. It's a close-knit community. It's really like a family. Everyone tries to help each other and achieve their financial dreams whether you're trying to pay off debt like student loans or a car loan, whatever it is, or the other spectrum, if you're trying to save and invest and build up a nice retirement portfolio, we would love to have you in our Facebook group. Head on over to chainofwealth.com slash group and answer our very easy question to get in. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kate, you ready to dive right in? Yeah. Awesome. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. After graduating college, Chris Raining took a job in corporate America, and after a few years later, he bought a condo and BMW, happily living the American dream. One day, he was sitting in his cubicle and thought, Is this it? I have to do this for the next 40 years of my life? He then put together a plan and at 37 years old, he was finally able to quit his job. 
Chris has been featured on major news outlets, including the New York Times, Business Insider, CNBC, and others. Welcome, Chris. Hey, well, thanks for having me on. Super excited to have you here. So, Chris, a lot of people are unfamiliar with exactly what the FIRE movement is or financial independence retire early. Can you maybe talk a little bit about what FIRE means to you personally? Sure. So what FIRE means to me personally is the ability to or the freedom to have the financial means to be independent. And so... I think some of the problem uh, that I, I see from uh, the the media or the community around the word fire is that there is an RE at the end, meaning retire early. And so there's this misperception that people who are trying to go for fire or trying to become financially independent, that once they reach it, that they're just going to be sitting around on a beach somewhere rubbing coconut oil on their body for the next 50 years, you know, while they turn into some old sweaty sack of skin and organs. And that's like completely not what it is uh, for, for most people. In fact, I not long ago, I, I emailed my, my email list and asked them what financial independence meant to them. And I got hundreds of responses. And out of all of the responses, there was not one person who mentioned a beach. They said things like staying home with their kids, or if they had financial security, they would take a risk and start a business, or they would travel the world and work on their photography skills, or they would completely switch careers. And so it's not about sitting around doing nothing, because for one, I don't think people, I don't think humans are meant to just sit around doing nothing. It's about having the independence to be able to do what you want, when you want. And that's that's what it really meant to me, was having this sort of financial security or this financial independence to have the freedom to do what I wanted. And I think, like you mentioned, in my late 20s, I realized like I can't sit in this cubicle for the next 40 years doing what I'm doing. Like I'm going to go crazy. So I need to figure out a way to have independence so I can sort of follow my, my interests and my passions and not really be motivated by money or have the, the need to make money. Did you by any chance catch the Paula Pants interview with uh, Susie Orman? I have not listened to that podcast. No. Yeah, no, um, I haven't either. But I've heard, I've seen a lot of the um, the outcome on Twitter, and it, it sounds like the whole fire community is really in a bit of an uproar because she sort of took the whole most people shouldn't be doing this, you know. And I thought that that was an interesting take coming from her, you know, obviously being like the queen of money media. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I think one headline I saw was something like she said that you need. $10 million or whatever. And whatever, like people say all sorts of things all the time and you can either choose to believe it or, or not believe it. But here's the thing. If you spend, let's say $80,000 a year, you need about 2 million. If you spend 200,000, you need 5 million. If you spend 400,000, you need 10 million and so on. And so the people who are out there saying you need $10 million aren't wrong. What they're saying is that you have a really expensive lifestyle. And some people 
you know, will need that amount of money because they live a really expensive lifestyle. And some people are fine with living a much more simple and modest lifestyle and whatever, like you could do what you want, but that's sort of how the numbers work. And so just making blanket statements, um, just generally doesn't work for, for, um, financial independence. Definitely makes sense. So did you sort of have your own magic number that you came up with and said, right, I want to live this sort of a lifestyle. This is how much money I need. Or how did you sort of arrive at the point that you could say, all right, I'm now ready? Yeah, that's a really good question. And so the, the point of, of getting to financial independence means that you have enough money to support your lifestyle. And so, like I mentioned, if you have an expensive lifestyle, you need a lot of money to support that. If you live, you know, more modestly, you need less. And so what you need to figure out is how, number one, how expensive is my lifestyle? And so when I started out, I really didn't know how much money I was spending. And that's something that I find uh, for for most people is that they really have no idea how much they're spending. So it comes down to sort of tracking or somehow uh, getting an idea of how much that you spend on a month-to-month, year-to-year basis. And that was the first step I took, just starting from us, starting from step one, figuring out, okay, how much am I spending on a per month basis. And over time, you'll get a pretty good sense around how much you're spending year to year. And once you know how much you're spending, then you can sort of reverse all the math and figure out how much you need to support that. And so the magic multiplier is to use 25. And the reason why you use 25 is that um, by multiplying your spending by 25, for instance, if you spend $40,000 per year, multiply it by 25, it comes to a nice round 1 million. Well, you can take out 4% per year, which is $40,000. And from the research that people like Bill Bengen and um, some folks uh, uh, who did studies call, called the Trinity Studies found out that you can live off your investments, um, taking out that 4% per year, and you'll probably never run out of money. And so if you're an investor in the stock market like I am, that is the easy way to do it is just to multiply your spending by 25 and to arrive at your number. But if you're investing in other things like real estate, I know there's lots of people who invest in real estate, then it, it's a little bit different because real estate, you're going to have a monthly cash flow from that. But the idea is the same. You need to basically uh, generate enough income that it can cover all of your expenses. Awesome. Yeah. So I think a lot of people that want to achieve financial independence, they don't really understand all the components that go into it. And I thought that your website did a really great job of breaking it down into steps. And there were three main steps that I sort of took away from it. And that's you need to either, well, maybe all three, but you may need to save more money. So you need to cut some expenses. You need to earn more money. So have more money in the bank and you need to be investing to actually build wealth. So my question to you is why do you think so many people fail to find the perfect match of these components? And is there one component you think that is more important than another? I think a lot of people find it really difficult and challenging because the idea sounds really, really good. Like who doesn't want 
to build a lot of wealth and have the ability to do whatever they want. Like, of course, everyone wants to do that. But the sort of the habits and the the self-discipline to actually stick with it for a really, really long period of time is really, really difficult. And so what you find is that people get excited about it. And for the first three months, they're all you know, worked up about it and they're, they're saving money and they're, you know, learning how to invest, but then it becomes really boring and it's not, you know, novel and, and, you know, exciting anymore. And it's really easy to sort of give up. I mean, and you can see this across, you know, your whole life pretty much. I mean, just, just look at how hard it is for someone to be, you know, to be healthy, right? Like we, we all struggle with, with being healthy, eating well and exercising. It's because it's this sort of long-term thing that you have to really stay on top of. And, um, if you do like you can reap the long-term rewards, but it's just like, you have to make it almost like identity based. Like this is something that you want to do and you sort and you sort of have to align your whole life with it. And that way, I think you can sort of build in the the habits and, and the self-discipline to be able to save more money uh, and to be able to use that money to invest and to be able to ultimately build the wealth that you need to become financially independent. I think a lot of people also fall into the trap of, oh, I'm over this month, but I'm going to make it up. You know, And I think one of the biggest things with the power of compounding is that you actually want to have as much money as early on as possible so that money can start working for you. And like, unfortunately, catch up doesn't really work as well. Like, sure, later on, you will probably be earning a lot more. But, you know, if you have that money earlier on and you're able to save more earlier on, that's really going to get you to the destination much quicker. Yes, absolutely. The sort of ironic part of that is that 22-year-olds have zero interest in saving for retirement or becoming financially independent, right? You're, well, number one, you're probably dealing with uh, a lot of debt, student loan debt, and you know, just trying to you know, feed yourself and be able to live a normal life if you're graduating from college. Um, but number two, too, I mean, it's it's like you don't really even think about saving money or investing because it's so foreign. Like like projecting yourself out to age sixty, it seems like so far away that it's easy to say, "Oh, I'll just get around to investing," you know, next year or when I have more money. But the problem with that is that it sort of snowballs and you find yourself in your 40s or 50s and you still haven't started yet. I can't tell you how many emails I get from people in their 50s or even 60s. And it's it's really heartbreaking, but they're asking like, is it too late for me to start? And so they've spent their 20s, their 30s, their 40s and beyond you know, not saving a nickel. And you know, I tell these people like, hey, you know, it's, it's sort of like that that little saying. You know, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, but the second best time is this afternoon. So, if you can get started today, like that's better than not starting at all. And so, if you can start at 22, and that's when I started investing actually into my uh, for, company's 401k plan, it was like $50 a month. That was all I could afford to invest at that time. But what starts happening is 
you, yes, you, you compound the money, like you mentioned. And when you're saving and investing and compounding money from a, from an early age, like you're reaping those rewards decades from now. And I don't know anybody who, um, has like, I don't know anybody who, who has, uh, not said that, you know, they, they were glad that they didn't start investing at an early age. I think it's very easy for lifestyle creep to take over as well. You know, you sort of graduate college and you, you start earning some money and you maybe get some raises and you sort of have the sense of entitlement. I think as someone that's a bit younger, you know, you're like, I've worked hard, I've studied hard, I've been in school so long, I'm now finally making some money. I should be treating myself and, you know, I should be enjoying the money that I've, you know, been earning from the, from my hard work. And Unfortunately, the problem with that, if you do it too much, is that like we've spoken about, it's going to eat into that saving rate that you could be achieving when you're young. Correct. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, yes, you should deprive yourself of everything that you want, uh, because that's kind of insane. But it is about finding the balance that works for you. And that's going to be different for, for everybody. People value different things. People, Some people like to take exotic vacations. Some people like to buy expensive handbags. And it's like, whatever, like, if you, I think uh, what would help most people is if they sort of flip around um, how they typically go about saving and investing money so that instead of trying to invest what's left over after they spend their money, why don't you try to invest first? And if you're investing first, then you can feel free to spend whatever's left after that. And so the easiest way to do that is by setting up some sort of automatic investing plan. And again, like something like a, if you're a, a, an employee and your employer offers a retirement plan, like setting up the, the automatic contributions to a retirement account that come out directly out of your paycheck. And that way it's all automated. You don't have to think about it and your money is just getting invested and whatever's left over you can feel free to spend that and you don't have to feel guilty about it. So we've kind of gone through the components that make up financial independence. And I'd like to chat a little bit now about what it's actually like reaching financial independence. And I'm going to talk about the mindset that changes. And, you know, like suddenly when you no longer have to work, your lifestyle can change quite a lot. And obviously, if you do then quit your job, it then changes quite substantially. So my question to you is, what is something that you didn't really expect to come about when you ex- reached your FI goal? Or is there something that you wish you had known before, before you took the leap? Hmm. Well, I reached my FI goal and then I worked two more years. And the reason that I worked two more years was that quitting my career and I was working in cybersecurity was really scary. It was actually, you know, walking away from a at that point a 15 year career and you're walking away from a 9 to 5 routine as much as i hated that rat race but it was something that you're walking away from and walking away from you know your business network and your friends at work i mean you're walking away from a lot of attachments a lot of routine and Doing that was probably the hardest part. So setting a goal to become 
financially independent or financially free. Like, yeah, that's easy. And getting there was for me, I mean, it was pretty hard. It took me quite a number of years until I was 35. But quitting and actually walking away from my my corporate job, that was the hardest because you like I mentioned, you're walking away from all of these sort of attachments that you've had for many, many years. And on top of that, the funny thing about money is that you always feel like you need more. So even though I had enough, even though I had more than enough, it's like you never really have enough. And so that's what made it sort of scary to walk away because you have all, I had all these different things sort of boiling up to the surface. And I think how I got over that hump was thinking about it like, okay, number one, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is that like, I don't like my life after this. And then I go back to work. Okay. No big deal. People go back to work all the time. And number two, I think I really tried to project, you know, my, my life out to when I was age 70 and thinking back like, okay, you had this opportunity to quit and you didn't, you kept working for another 20 years. Would I have regretted that decision? And I think I would have. And so I didn't want to have that sort of future regret. And so I decided to quit. And now that I'm here on the other side, some two or two and a half years later, I can't imagine going back. So it ended up being one of the best decisions of my life. My only wish is probably that I had done it sooner. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. Money Clan, if you're trying to figure out how to get ahead, one of the best things you can do is learn how to track your spending. You can head on over to chainofwealth.com slash spending. Katie's written a great post about how she managed to save up $400 just by being a little bit more cognizant of the money that she was spending. Definitely check it out. It is a great resource. So Chris, what does your saving or retirement plan look like? I know we obviously you kind of are retired already, but is there anything else that you're doing on the side to make more money? Uh, not really. Like I have, uh, I, I run my website and the, the whole idea of my website is, is helping people with investing and their money. And so the idea uh, with that is just that it makes enough money to run itself. So I didn't want a really, really expensive hobby because I've had expensive hobbies before. And so at this point, I'm completely living off investments. And then I just sort of work on my website, uh, you know, in my free time as a hobby. Lovely. So do you have any other books or podcasts you could recommend to our listeners? I think that books are really, books are great. And I'm a voracious reader. I read probably 20, 25 books uh, a year. And I think they're super contextual based on what you're dealing with at the time. So I'll say that the book that I gift the most is The Art of Living by Epictetus, which is sort of in the same vein as Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Only The Art of Living is much uh, easier to to read and way more digestible. Perfect. So do you have a favorite quote you like to live by? Hmm. My favorite quotes, I'd say the quote that sort of bounces around in my head the most is by Warren Buffett. And it's 
overused probably, but it's uh, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are feel fearful. And what that means is that, you know, investing is overwhelmingly about uh, going against the crowd or going against the herd. And that's a constant reminder you know, when the markets are bouncing around, that's going against the herd is how you make the most money. This is very true. <laughs> Chris, I've absolutely loved hanging, having you today. So do you, have, do you have any other last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, so great to be here. I think uh, that the, the parting piece of advice that I would offer is that, you know, the sort of world is is just made up by people. Uh, and you can sort of decide what you want your life to be. And I think what I've come to realize um, as I near age 40 is that, you know, I, I've definitely listened less to other people and have listened more to my own intuition. And I'd only wish I'd done that sooner. But I think if you do that, then at the end of your life, you'll... Um, live it with less regret. Shane is whipping out with Chris Raining. You can check out his website. It's chrisraining.com and definitely try and find the balance that works for you and figure out what you want from your life. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.